Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, September 22nd. We are here live. It is a free-for-all today. Anything goes. We're going to open the phone lines right now, so start dialing. 855-950-3835. Looks like some calls are starting to come in already. We'll get to those here in a little bit, so line them up. We can talk about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join us. Lines are open, 855-950-3835. Let's jump right in and get started. Um, I want to talk about owner-operator numbers. So ATBS just put out their um, numbers for the first half of this year. Um, Some pretty interesting stuff in here. So um, big owner-operator revenue gains entirely offset by fuel and other costs. So it looks like revenue is up, uh, but costs are up even more. And that's kind of interesting because when I dug through these numbers, a lot of it was lost in fuel, and that just shouldn't be. If you're losing money on fuel as an owner-operator, you'd have to look at your operation and try to figure out why. Uh, If you're leased to a carrier, is there fuel surcharge calculated in a way that makes sense. Anybody getting more than six miles to the gallon, if they have a reasonable fuel surcharge, and even on brokered spot market loads where there isn't a separate fuel surcharge, the rate should reflect the fuel price that week. That's how the spot market works. We have fuel surcharges negotiated for contract freight. Spot market freight, we're bidding on the load within a couple of days of the load itself. We know what the fuel price is, so we should be bidding a rate that includes our fuel surcharge. If that's how, if you're working on the spot market, that's your responsibility to make sure your rate at the time reflects the fuel price. So in essence, everybody should be getting a fuel surcharge whether it's formal or not. It's just part of the rate on the spot market. But in this, when I'm looking at these numbers, that's not the case. That these owner-operators actually had to spend more on fuel than they gained in the fuel surcharge. They ended up with a net loss on fuel. That That's what shouldn't happen. You should set up your operation so that you don't lose money when fuel goes up. That's too big of a risk. And there's two ways to do that. One, you have to make sure your truck gets good enough fuel economy. Now, technically, that should only need to be over six. That's not that hard to accomplish. At six miles to the gallon, you should be dead even, even if fuel went to $20 a gallon. It shouldn't matter. The fuel surcharge goes with it, and you should be dead even at six miles to the gallon. Anybody under six miles to the gallon will be losing money every time fuel goes up. Anybody over six miles to the gallon will gain net revenue when fuel goes up. So if you're getting good enough fuel economy, but you're still losing money on fuel, 
it's because of how you're being paid. And again, you that's your responsibility. That's your operation. If you're leased to a carrier and their fuel surcharge isn't enough, well, you got to look at that. If you're on your own, you have to look at where you're getting your freight and is that cost keeping up with fuel. Uh you know, they, they say in the article that it was fuel and maintenance, but I'm looking at the maintenance number here, and the average maintenance number in this report was 14 cents a mile. I don't think that that's high. You shouldn't be losing money if your maintenance cost is at 14 cents a mile. It's not bad at all. We, we regularly see people in the 20 cent range. So here, 14 cents a mile, that's not bad at all. So that isn't the problem here. It's, it's um, interesting that where we are now with rates and, and what's going on in fuel prices, that owner-operators across the board lost money in the first half of this year, and it was because of the fuel price. Now, here's the good news. After all, saying all of that, the average owner-operator is only down $1,000 net revenue. That's really not that big of a deal. We'd rather see it go up, but, you know, we've had some really good years. So to go down just $1,000 now is not that big of a deal, really. And we're already seeing people struggling. So, and that was uh, as of, let's see, that was ending in June comparing the last two years. So owner-operators are already just just calculating to June of this year, owner-operators are already starting to lose net revenue. And even with that just small amount of loss, there seems to be a lot more complaining going on. It's, if, if you follow social media, it looks like it's a lot worse than we're only down $1,000 in net revenue. Honestly, as an owner-operator, you shouldn't even notice $1,000 in net revenue. Now, you should have reporting so you know it's there, but that should have like zero impact on your business and your life. If you're running so close on your budgeting that $1,000 matter, that's, that's a big problem. All right, let's, uh, let's grab some calls. I do have some other things I wanted to talk about here, but I uh, want to make sure I get to the calls Today really is about what you want to talk about, so line them up. Let's get started today in Wisconsin. Nate, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Kevin. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind? Looking to spec a truck. I recently joined a magnificent crew of an equipment dealership, multiple locations. They have a logistics brokerage. And they have a 3,000-acre grain farm, and they want to buy a new truck. Okay. So we're looking at specs. And of course, they have the concrete things. I need so a W-9, hold, you know, and I just... Hold on, one, hold on one second. Um, so the yep. I, I need to know kind of how this is working. So the company itself is going to be buying yep. and owning the truck, but they're allowing you to help inspecting it. Is that what we're looking at? Correct. I okay. recently took over responsibility for the, of the brokerage and Got they it. said, what do you think? You, yeah. So that's where I'm at. Okay. So what, what are we they're looking choosing, at? They're looking at a W9. Of course, I took a breath, moved on. No, wait a minute. Can't why, change why? the shape of the hood. Why? 
Uh, honestly, here's the thing that uh, if somebody comes to me and says, look, we're going to put you in charge. We want you to make a decision. And the very first thing, and honestly, it is the single most important yeah. factor when you're specking this truck. There are very few things. Let's think about this. We know that a non-aerodynamic truck will get one full mile per gallon less than an identically specced aerodynamic truck. So nothing else changes. Engine is identical. Transmission, gear ratios, tires, everything. All we changed was the body. We lose one full mile per gallon. There is no other single spec on that truck that can even come close to affecting fuel economy like that one does. There are no two engines that we could try to spec and we could say, well, this one's going to get one mile per gallon. No, there's nothing else we can spec like that. So here, here would be my answer. Now, we'll finish this call and I'll answer whatever you want. But my answer to them would have been, you overrule me on this decision, then we're done. You spec the truck. Why would I bother frustrating myself like this? So I don't, I don't get to choose some of the things off this first truck, and they, they spec trucks, trucks regularly. So I get to choose the body of the second one, and those will be the numbers that I get Good. to compare. Good, Good. Side by side. Exactly. To show them. So there. I don't want to ground it right away. Okay. I, no, I, I stick with it and say, ha. No, I, now that I you told, told you, me that. Now, now that you told me that, now I like the fact that they're going to spec the first truck and then you get to spec yeah. one after that. Oh, yeah, I love that setup. Exactly. 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 The Aside from the hood, it's an overall truck. It's going to be used for the farm. It's going to be used for some light, heavy haul. What I mean by light, heavy haul, it's we need a truck. we got to move this combine or this heavy tractor today. We've got to throw it under it. Not... So, all the time. Otherwise it's going to be copper. So here's the thing. We, we could, we could pull that equipment, whatever it is. I'm going to get a little outrageous here. We could go back to a 190 horsepower, naturally aspirated diesel. I wouldn't want to, but we used to pull that kind of weight around with those trucks. We had to, somebody did. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we moved heavy stuff way back then, oversized loads. So it, it, so we, I, again, yeah, I, I would never spec for something we do once in a while, ever. I wouldn't even let it, sure. I wouldn't even let it into my thinking. I'm not going to change one thing on okay. this spec because we do that once in a while. Okay. Okay. Understood. I, I do the same thing right now with our little day cab, day cab, day cab pro star exactly. that has yeah. the old max force. We're yeah. doing the same thing. It right. just takes a little longer. That that's it. So right. I, I'm I'm questioning our our gear ratio in the rear end behind our the new I think it's the TX18 automatic transmission that Kenworth Packard offers. I'm trying to find that number. What what would be best? What would be okay? But I want it to be a comparable ratio to what I spec. Does that make sense? Yes. So yeah, when I look at the second truck, I, I I don't want him to say, well, well, that's because we've got a different gear ratio. It's a different application, and that's why fuels change. I want to kind of alleviate that that gray area and that option. I'd like him to have the same rear ends, but I want I, I want them similar. Well, 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 I want well, them wait, fairly similar. Wait, 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 no, we don't. We want to let similar them similar as in not body style. 
we want to let them spec their truck their way. Then we want to spec a truck okay. the best way possible. We don't want to try to be similar to them in anything unless there's some reason to be. But if they spec a poor no. gear ratio, I, I don't care if they spec 413s, I might spec 208s. Sure. And that's the whole point. They're looking at 325. It, awful. Awful spec in today's world. I can't, I can't think of a setup in today's world that would, would work well with a 325. That's a, that's yeah, a tough I'm one. Smiling. Um, I'm yeah, I, that, that's 325 is kind of like 336 was for a decade. Everybody spec 336s yeah. and they matched it to transmissions that didn't work right. And that, that here we go again. They're just, all they're really doing is they're just applying a really generic spec that we've done for years and doesn't work. Okay. So what, what in, see, here's another problem I have. As soon as I hear Packard, as much as I love the Packard products, the truck itself for quality, I hate the engine choices. I don't want either one of the engines yeah. that are available. They, they want to put in the ISX, yeah. the X15. Right. I know. And I, I don't want, I, I hate that engine. I know every, <laughs> people try to convince me it's not that bad. It is from where I stand. It is the single most problematic engine I think I've ever dealt with. And then it's like everybody wants to make excuses for it. Yeah, but it pulls really good, and the jake brake works amazing. And if you get them set up, even when we get them set up right, that engine to me for the last 15 years, we constantly talk about major issues. Over, it was the cam forever, still seems to be sometimes. Then we had the fuel pump exploding. Then we had the filters that didn't work right. Then, I mean, it just seems like with that engine, it's been one major problem after another. Sure. Well, I'm just going to let them do what they want then. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I would. Let them <laughs> let them do this. Then when it's your turn, we come back and we do it right and the difference in not only fuel economy, but if they also track their maintenance cost closely, they're going to see a significant difference in maintenance cost between these two trucks. That is a new, newer issue. There was a time when you could spec a truck and only think about fuel economy and maintenance costs didn't change that much. That's no longer true. Wasn't. You spec a truck wrong in today's sure. world and your maintenance costs can go through the roof. Agreed. So let them do their thing. Agreed. And uh, we'll sit back and giggle about it. And then we'll uh, we'll wait till our turn and we'll show them how to we'll do wait. this. Yeah, well, I, yeah, it may be less than a year so that by the sounds of it. So I, I, I'm thinking I'm going to get on it sooner than later. Um, Excellent. Now, side note, health, oh, yep, a little go ahead. health story. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Okay, let me do, right. let me do the truck so thing and then that. we'll come back to the health thing. So it's interesting that okay, this was so. my first call today. Um, not that I need another new project, but we're kind of in the middle of doing a lot of planning right now, company-wise. So we are looking sure. at big projects. And then I have to figure out which ones we can take on and, and get finished. But one of them that kind of came to mind for me, um, 
because we keep talking about how complicated this whole specking issue is becoming now. Um, like we've got the Volvo Mac yeah. platform really pretty well figured out. We've got the DD15, DD13 series pretty well figured out. Still struggling a little bit with how to spec the pack car properly, although we can do it. We can do it better. Um, and the same with the ISX. It, not that I like it, but if somebody wants one, we do know how to spec it right. But it's getting more and more complicated. We have more transmission choices than ever and proprietary transmissions. We have proprietary rear end ratios now. So it, it's honestly, it's about 10 times more complicated specking a new truck today than it was 10 years ago. So I got thinking about sure. it. Um, this would be a great use of an app. We could build an app that would help that you spec any truck. That is a really good idea. With, without going directly to the dealer over the phone, on the phone, talking with a salesman, I, I didn't see any platform on the internet where I could piece my own together. They you, didn't give options, and maybe I'm just missing it. No, you I can't. Didn't, There's didn't nothing out there. There's nothing out there. The the, the OEMs yeah, have some things, but honestly, they don't. See, what we're going to look at when if we build this project, we would look at this as pure cost, nothing else. We want to spec the most efficient truck possible to operate, and we know how to do that. Now, it's to the, one of the reasons I want this app is for myself. You know, it's getting to the point where that transmission you just mentioned, I know nothing about that transmission. I don't know what ratios are available in that thing. And I need to know that. So it's getting to the point where even for myself now, with all the different options, I don't feel confident specking trucks on the fly the way I used to. Now I have to tell somebody, hold on, let me go check to see what's available in transmissions and rear end ratios, and there's just too much. You know, it used to be you could spec a a Kenworth with a Cummins and a Freightliner with a Detroit and a Volvo with a Volvo, and and you didn't change them all that much. And part of that was the problem. We didn't know how to spec each truck perfectly. We're getting there now. And now Mm -hmm. that I'm seeing that and it's becoming a big deal, I'm thinking, what if we could write an app and we could score the spec? So if it's a new truck, that's easy because on a new truck, we get to pick everything the way we want it. On a used truck, we have to figure out what's available on the market and pick from that. So I could see this app being fairly straightforward for a new truck, spec it exactly like this. On a used truck, I could see the app having a scoring model. So you put in the specs of a truck that's available, you're thinking about buying, and based on your operation, it will score that truck. So you don't Whether have to... Yeah, you don't have to understand exactly what spec you're trying to find in a used truck. Just plug in the data, and if you have three trucks you're looking at, plug all three in, and it's going to score them so you can compare them. But isn't that part of the learning process as you shop for trucks and knowing what ratios work better in your... It it is, but let's think about this. I've been... You're making it too easy, then. 
Well, no, because you're right in a way, but let's think about why we would do that. So I've been specking trucks for uh, the first truck I really specced was in the early 90s. So 20 plus years that I've been really looking at specs of trucks and trying to make them really good. And honestly, we started specking trucks way different than everybody else was. Um, Joel's been doing that for 20 plus years. Um, John's been heavily involved in that for a long time. We have the resources, the people, the knowledge to be able to do that. And here's why I would do it. Think about what I just said. After 20 years of doing this, both Joel and I would struggle with, I mean, Joel can rip the Volvo Mac numbers right off his head in his sleep, but not on a pack car. And even on a Volvo or a a Freightliner with a DD-15, he sometimes has to stop and think and go check on numbers. That's after 20 years of doing this. Why would we think that some new owner-operator who's only going to buy one truck maybe every six or seven years, why would they try to even learn this stuff? You you wouldn't be able to. True. It's too much. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to learn it unless you just sat down every day and studied it. And why would you do that? Why would you waste all that time? So the idea of an app, to me, makes tons of sense. Let's take all of this complicated knowledge and decisions that have to be made and, and let's standardize it in an app. That's what computers are powerful at. And then we can move on to so other things. I. I, I I don't need to know how to spec a truck as an owner-operator. I'm only going to do it, you know, like I said, every six or seven years. And by the time I have to spec my next truck, guess how much could have changed? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think this is a really good use of technology. So who would add the information into the app with, with, with the ratings? So like, like, would that just be a, just, just an, an owner-operator? He would rate that spec on how well he's doing with no, it or no. how would that rating rank? We'll, we will have to create the algorithm in the background based on our experience. Okay. We yep. know if you spec a truck right. like this, your range of possible fuel mileage will be this. If you change this spec, sure. your range shifts to this. That's what I mean. As a, as a team, you know, let truck, yeah. Joel, John, Pittsburgh sense. power, you know, we have all of that depth of experience that we'd be able to do that. So now the app becomes, you know, it, it's the dummies version of specking a truck. All you have to do is plug in the data of the truck you're looking for. We'll score it. That's where the knowledge sure. and experience comes in. Um, it, it's possible. Now I'm thinking big here. It's possible we could... <laughs> We could build an app that you could put in your search criteria. So you've got an idea of what kind of a truck you want. You know you want a um, Western Star with a DD-15. And you put that in, and our app could potentially, again, I'm thinking big here, could potentially go out to sites like Truck Paper, Aero truck sales, and we could search yeah. their inventory for you and pull those trucks out that are close to your spec and then score them for you. That would be pretty neat. 
We, it, it's possible <laughs> that that's not out of the question. I know exactly how to do it. It is a big project. Just so people understand what how much programming costs, a minimum on wow. an app like this, probably a quarter of a million dollars just to get started. That would that's not ridiculous. include that would not include that search feature that I just talked about. That that feature could sure. add another quarter of a million dollars to the project. That is nuts, the cost of technology. It, I, uh, it, it, it's, it's nuts. It really is. But on the other right. hand, if it's done right, there's there's you right. could make some money it's with an app like that. Yeah. Most definitely. Let me know when it's up and running. <laughs> like I said, we're we're in we we call this stage of um, you know we have some of our employees out here right now with us because our employees are all over the country, and we call this stage of our planning. We're we're in the Disney room now. Anything's possible, and you're not allowed to criticize anybody's ideas in this stage. That's our Disney room. So it, it, that way, people get wildly creative. Think of everything you can think of. Nobody's going to criticize it. We're in the Disney room. Just throw out all these wild ideas, and then we sit down and start looking at them. And you can pretty quickly look at a bunch of them and go, yeah, that one's out of here. Um, but it's a, it's, it, right. this is, I love this part of the process. I hate the part when we've decided on the projects, and now we have to go work on them. Uh, this is the part I like. Right. <laughs> so we'll see. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Good. All right, Nate. Good. Good, good talking right. to you. And uh, keep me informed. That's going to be fun when uh, you get to call back and we can go spec our version and show them how much better it is. Let's go to Florida. Tony, welcome to the program. Hey, Mr. Rutherford. Tony here again from I Hate Appointment Trucking. I mean, <laughs> uh, I Hate Broker Trucking. Uh, one thing I hate is sitting around at a shipper, you know, and you get there first, but then you wake up in the morning and there's a line of 10 truck drivers that got there after you saying they have a 5 a.m. appointment and it's 7 o'clock. You know, I, I just wanted your thoughts on, okay, you know, yeah, I'm a little sick of that, but also, uh, well, I, I think everything should be first come, first serve. That's my gut reaction. But of course, in the real world, you're going to say, uh, yeah, that's not how it works. But okay, And then so, there's hours of service that cuts in. And so they're really causing what will happen is if you have appointments, okay, you'll get a bunch of company drivers that are killing themselves and uh, driving through the night and maybe breaking hours of service to make that appointment and be there so, so that their hours are fresh and everything. And they don't have parking at these shippers. Uh, it, it, it seems like it should need to be first come, first serve everywhere. They need to switch their operations, put parking. Just, I know that's a lot, um, but also, can you comment on that? I can. Absolutely, I can. Um, Any thoughts at all? Yeah. It, here's Everything you said is true. There's nothing I disagree with. It, it's The system sucks, honestly. I mean, we all... Everybody who's driven a truck has dealt with shippers and receivers, and it's probably the worst part of our job. You know, I, I'm happier when I can get out on the road and drive. That's what I want to do. So this hassle of, you know, all of these problems at shippers and receivers. Here's the problem, though. 
we anybody who thinks that the system is going to change is fooling themselves. It's not ever. There's no way you can expect every shipper in the country to put in parking. It's impossible. They don't have the physical space. That's never going to happen. The odds of shippers and receivers putting in parking just for trucks, never going to happen. Now, companies that build their own facility and they know what their volumes are going to be, you know, bigger warehouses outside the cities, those kind of things, industrial parks, we don't have those kind of problems most of the time. But even there, you can run into it. We get into the cities and these docks are old and there's no room there. So the parking, forget it. Just throw that idea out the window. Nothing is ever going to change with parking at shippers and receivers. You get what you get. Um, so, So then the way I would approach that problem is you have to figure out in your own operation, is there something I could do to make this better? Could I develop a couple of customers where I'm not doing a lot of random freight? I I know where I'm going and I can start to solve my own parking issues. That's the way I would look at that problem. Then this idea of, you know, scheduling or first come, first serve. In an ideal world, if I were running a, a business with a, you know, a dock set up, I would love to say, okay, if I can have 10 docks available to me, I want three of them for scheduled loads, and I want the rest to be first come, first serve, nice and efficient. If a truck gets here, unload them. And if somebody shows up early for an appointment, we have an open dock, unload them. But that's an ideal world, and it's never going to happen. Again, I I can almost tell you every shipper and receiver out there doesn't have enough dock space. They don't have enough dock doors for their own operation. If they could have more docks, they would love to. But there's space issues, cost issues. That's not going to happen either. So my only real comment on this is I would not waste any time whatsoever trying to change the system. It's never going to happen. Think about how many shippers and receivers there are. The, The number is staggering. You can't change them. So the best we can do about these things is is realize that's part of our world. And is there something we could do to make that better? Does that make sense? Yeah. uh, um, I'm not going to say that I knew you were going to say that, but but, uh, I You probably know, Um, right? um, if you, if you're if we're done with that, I've got the best well, news me, that you've ever that yeah. you'll ever hear. Let me make one more comment, and then we'll come back to that. This is no different to me than this this thing we've been saying for about twenty years, and nothing has changed. That we want the government to fix the truck parking problem. They haven't done it in twenty no, years or fifty. I mean, yeah, we've right. been talking about truck parking issues forever, and I can remember <laughs> twenty years ago the government needs to fix this. Okay, good luck with that one. Yeah, everybody here knows that we're not going to wait for the government to um, to fix that, and they shouldn't, just like uh, all of the other things that, exactly. that we say. Exactly, right. So what do you got? Um, I did hear, yeah, um, shifting gears to your favorite topic, which is medicine, uh, you might already know this, but I happen to be listening to Dr. Radio today, and guess what? 
some kind of recommendation came out. I think it sounded like today from the federal uh, medical society, but it's about anxiety and that the recommendation that was just put out, I think today was that it, it is like the number one cause of death in uh, pregnant women and that we should start studying people at the minimum age of 23. This is like insane. You, you probably already heard about this, but there's been a recommendation. Severely, yeah, so, so here's uh, what's more interesting. On anxiety. Yeah, because there was a recent um, study that came out about anxiety. And what it said was, so let's take a step back. Here's the way we've treated anxiety forever. Anxiety, according to the medical community, is a chemical imbalance in the brain. You don't have enough serotonin. That, that's their thought. It's been that way forever. So all of the drugs that are prescribed for anxiety try to affect serotonin levels in the brain. Well, we're not very good at that. We don't know how to force the body to make more serotonin. We don't know how to do that. So the way the drugs work is, let me think of the best way to describe this so that it makes sense. Think of, um, think of like a, uh, an arc welder. You know, an arc welder works, you get the two points close enough together that the electricity jumps across the gap, right? Yeah. That's how the nerve endings in your brain work. You have a nerve ending, and then close to it is another nerve ending. And I'm, I'm kind of simplifying this so that it makes sense. And the, the neurotransmitters jump across those gaps. Now, there will be a bunch of that neurotransmitter in the gap. And it will, so we're talking about serotonin in the gap there. And if it just sits there, it disappears. So what we can do is we can force the body to take that serotonin back in so we don't lose as much serotonin. So we can't make it. We don't know how to make the body make it. We do know how to force the body to reuptake the serotonin. So the, the class of drugs, SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So by forcing the body to, to inhibit that reuptake, then we have more serotonin available. That's how SSRIs work. And SSRIs are one of the um, most prescribed class of drugs in the United States right now. It, we're putting seven-year-olds on SSRIs, and they don't work. And we've known they don't work. And, but, and now we know why. It turns out that the latest research that just came out, serotonin has nothing to do with anxiety. We've been approaching this completely wrong. We've attacked the, the wrong issue completely for years, and yet we will still be doing this at least 15 years from now. Nothing's going to change. Doctors are going to prescribe SSRIs like they're candy, and it's not going to work, and people are going to die from anxiety and suicide in bigger numbers every year. Tony? Yeah, and oh, I did get are. the red light, so I did have you on mute. <laughs> oh, there yeah, you go. I'm getting pulled into the way station. Um, I don't think there's any cameras 
year, but what it sounded like is, is there's going to be an awful lot of interest from that recommendation on anxiety. They're talking about uh, even kids have it, adolescents, their brains aren't developed enough for all the input that they're getting. So, And it goes right along with what you're talking about uh, with your sleep study and trying to monitor this. It's just a really good um, interest in the subject, and I got to go. I'm in a way station. Got it. We'll okay. see you. All right. Take care. Yeah, we'll we'll be talking about that topic a lot. You're right. There's going to be a lot of interest in it. But the big, big news is not there, you know, the big, big news is the fact that we've been doing this completely wrong forever, and now we know it. We've said that many, many times. I have said SSRIs are not helping people. We see all of these drugs when we do the one-on-ones and the discovery calls. And the the typical story is, you know, when I first started taking it, I really thought I felt a lot better. I thought it was helping me a lot. Well, there's a couple of possibilities. Maybe it does do something in the beginning and then our body uh, develops a tolerance and it's not working anymore. That's completely possible. We have a lot of drugs that do work really well for a short period of time. Technically, the vaccine probably fits into that category. The vaccine does work for a very short period of time. The problem is, I, there, I, I don't care how, tell, how well you tell me it works short term, I'm not getting boosters over and over and over and over. The more boosters people get, the more problems they seem to have. So there are drugs that are like that. Maybe that's part of the SSRI thing. Maybe they do do something in the beginning. But they don't work long term. They just don't. There's so much evidence of this. So it maybe it's a placebo effect in the beginning. And that placebo effect wears off. But it, it's we now know we should have never been focusing on serotonin. It's not the problem. But like I said, 15 years from now, the doctors will still be prescribing SSRIs. Just like we've known about fat that it's not bad for us, that it's actually really good for us. We've known that for a long time now. The medical community still really doesn't acknowledge it. Let's uh, let's go to South Dakota. Jamie, welcome to the program. How you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Just a driver on this parking issue. Um, I, I want people to think about this when you walk out of the. When you walk out of your truck in a park, in a park, sorry, age brain. When you get out of your truck at a parking lot, what do you see all over the place? Trucks. Garbage. Oh yeah, garbage. That too. Garbage. All right, that is the number one reason why these guys won't let you park on their lots anymore. Is because truck drivers open their door and they drop their garbage out. They, they throw their pee bottles out. You know, you walk through a truck stop now and you're seeing people are pooping in bags and throwing all that out on the parking lot. I know. It's awful. I mean, come on. If it's you, awful. you want to treat you, you, know, you have to treat them with respect, too. You know what, what I actually found in some ways was worse than the fact that this is going on in our industry? What I found was worse. The the largest group that, that um, claims they... They represent drivers and owner-operators. Um, several years ago when this pee bottle thing was a big deal, you were seeing it on you know, the nightly news. Sometimes they'd show these crews that have to go out and clean it up. and um, they, It was a big issue for a little while. And 
uh, White actually came out and their response to this was, that's not just the truck drivers doing it. The motorists are doing it. What a stupid, ignorant response. What a stupid, ignorant response. We know, of course, there are some cars doing it once in a while. But 90% of that problem is truck drivers. And to deny it just makes you look ignorant. Exactly. And as far as the government getting involved, they could. I mean, we could. I mean, you've been up and down the Ohio Turnpike. I mean, they have these massive parking spots there that they lease out space for for the doors to run in that, you know, why can't we do that everywhere? Ja- Jamie, you are right. That is the one yep. thing that I have said the federal government could change, and all they have to do is get rid of one law. There's one law it makes it illegal to have commercial activities at a rest area, a federal rest area on a federal highway. That's why states with turnpikes can do it, but we can't create a rest area or parking area on an interstate that has commercial operations. But that it's just only because we have a law. Get rid of the damn law. Why wouldn't we build service plazas the way they do on the Ohio Turnpike? I love those things. So is everybody else. Exactly. Uh, yeah. and that's, you're going to have to fund... And when you fund them, you repeal the law. It's not its not that difficult. Right, but right. They, they, you're finding that the you get, the less there are for truck stops. I mean, you, you go into L.A., you got to stop 100 miles out of L.A. if you want abso- to right. be pretty much guaranteed to find a stop. Right. You know? Yeah. That, so, so when when you know when we say the the federal government needs to get involved or solve this, that's the one area where I could say, okay, let them. Just and I don't want them to really do anything. I want them to eliminate something. Don't create any more new laws or regulations to try to solve this problem. Get rid of a damn regulation that made the problem worse. You know, there's. I'm I'm, going to get a little political here. I'm going to get a little political. So I think over the last six years, we've had a great example. So when Trump took office in 2016, one of his big things was getting rid of regulations. That was a big thing for him. We're not writing new regulations. We're going to we're going to just start getting rid of a bunch of old stuff that we shouldn't be doing anymore. And what happened with our economy from 2016 to 2020? And we have to remember, we had, we had already been on almost a 10-year economic run. Already, by the time he became president, that run should have been over. I believe that part of the reason it didn't end was because of his policies, because of his tax law, because of getting rid of regulations, I think we had an awesome economic run when we shouldn't have. That's how powerful I believe it was. What happened in 2020 to our economy? They started writing oh, well, a lot of new regulations, and our economy is tanking. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, you're right. So, yeah, when, when, when I say the government needs to do something, I usually mean they need to 
get rid of some regulations and just get the hell out of the way and let the free market figure it out? Well, they're going to have to be the ones funding these plazas because if you leave it up to the the, the market, you have the you have the cities and the counties and the townships all saying, "No, you're not doing it here." Well, you won't have all so of them. It has to be the Some, somewhere out the like. Well, I'll give you an example. Um, I live in a small town. We're right off the interstate. We're almost a rest area ourselves. We're so small. Um, but I was involved in, in local government. If, if I thought there was a chance, and, and there could be, I would get involved to create something here in our own little town. So you will have governments that, that are more forward-thinking and you know, realize that the best way for government to make things better is to create a better environment for business and let the free market figure it out. Well, all I know is, you know, we got a new, we got a new loves here in Kimball, South Dakota, and it took them six years to, to get all the permits in line to get a bill. So. But so again, isn't that because yeah. there's too many regulations? Well, yes, but those regulations are for that are state and state and county and local. I know we have to work on those too. That that's see our problem is we have too much government across the board. That's the whole problem. Too much government, oh. too many agencies, too many yep. regulations. We have to start working the other direction to get rid of all that stuff. Well, yes, but you have guys that come into office. They all have another idea. I know. And, and I, I know. Go, you go back through the for a year, and you have stuff that's on the books from the 1900s that they won't even take off that aren't even in effect anymore. I, I, you know, stuff, why is stuff that though? Horses why, and, why is and, that? I've always wondered why why we're so hesitant to take old laws off the book that don't even matter anymore. Because you never know what you can use. To screw somebody else up. <laughs> That's probably right. The more laws they have, the more control they can exert. So, you know, the fact that we have Congress and the Senate setting year-round now at the federal government level is ridiculous. Yeah, it is. I mean, even our state government being set for four or five months a year. It's too much. It gives them way too much time to talk dumb stuff. Yeah. No, that's you've exactly got, right. You've got very set parameters of... But you're, you're there so long that you're, you're deciding what your state bread should be. Come on, though. That ain't right. Nope. Who cares? Nope. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah. You know, I, I, can I, we talk about this homeless problem? Sit up and figure out the homeless problem. Don't worry about the birds. They'll take care of themselves. <laughs> okay. I, now, I agree. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm just trying to organize my thoughts. Oh, okay. Up now. Yeah, well, I know. I know. It's a... Let's not... A... You're really starting <laughs> to... Okay, got it. All right, you're starting to break up, so I'm not sure. Probably better to end it. All right, uh, we've got open lines. We've got about uh, 12 minutes left in the show. If you want to jump in, I've got some things I could talk about, but I will take calls if they come in. Anything goes. We can talk about anything you want. 
950-3835. Let me find out um, what's going on here. So Kevin Beckett will be on for Rolling Toe at 10 Pacific time. So we've got plenty of time on that. So just so you know, Rolling Toe's coming up at uh, 10 o'clock this morning Pacific time. Uh, Mike's not going to make it today, so it's just Kevin. So help him out. Just know when you have to host a show on your own, you need callers. These are call-in talk shows. So uh, start thinking about your rolling toe questions right now. And uh, when Kevin comes on live, give him a call, and he'll help you out with them. Uh, So we've got uh, John's available tomorrow. Um, Joel is shooting a training video for Volvo. Good. Joel's got a lot of stuff going on right now. He put the... uh, the purple people eater, grape ape, whatever we're calling that thing. Um, he put it on the road. And uh, it's an interesting trip. Of, he's been uh, posting quite a bit about it. Uh, Dwayne Teagles, he's one of the, um, uh, I think, one of the engineers from Volvo. Dwayne is the one that gave us the course um, when John and I took the um, specking course through Volvo with Joel. Um, it was Dwayne that did that course for us. So Joel's out on the run with the truck and Dwayne went with him. Uh, Dwayne's actually been doing quite a bit of the driving, which is interesting because even though Dwayne knows everything about that driveline inside and out, he doesn't have that kind of driving experience for fuel economy. It's not like having Joel in the seat where we know, you know, you're going to get the maximum. Um, This is a better example of what would happen with a the typical driver in the truck so they're uh they're sending back some pretty pretty interesting data already so um joel's pretty busy right now he won't be able to make it tomorrow um i don't think john and i have done the show just the two of us in a while that should be interesting um i have some things i'm working on for tomorrow's show uh the wind might determine whether I finish them or not. Um, I haven't had any good wind this week yet at all. And I'm really looking at getting out on the water today. So we'll see. But uh, tomorrow will be a good show. Uh, We're going to get back to the calls. If you want to jump in, um, phone lines are open. We're going to go back to Wisconsin. Nate, what's on your mind? Hey there. Calling back. I got a funny health story real quick. So I'm part of Uh oh, Nate. Company called. Oh, there you go. Start over. We lost you there for a second. Perfect. I'm part of a food share program, and in the last share, we got a couple boxes of what's called a gut shot, a fermented veggie drink. And I flip it over. I'm looking at at the ingredients, and it's sauerkraut brine, Himalayan sea salt, red beets, and ginger. That's it. Awesome. So I chug it down. And, oh, it's amazing. I absolutely love it. And we created a Facebook group of everybody that's in the share program, and we all share things back and forth that we like and don't like. And I am ending up with everybody's. <laughs> no way. Ginger beet. No way. They don't want it? Yes. I got like. Oh, they don't like oh, it. They don't oh, like it. Oh. One lady tried feeding it to her baby, and she was all surprised that they didn't take the drink. And I'm like, that's not what it's for it's not for babies exactly but uh yeah yeah oh now Now, you know here's the other thing and i i love the fact that a csa is doing this i think that is absolutely awesome that they are 
It's a shame that people don't understand how how important that is and what a valuable little piece of your box that was. Yeah. But then I would also encourage people to realize this is drop dead simple to make yourself and almost free. Well, I mean, to me, it's free, but I uh, <laughs> get it for free from everybody else. It, well, true, but, right? Yeah, I'm in love. I've got I got probably 25 boxes of it it's by a company called Farmhouse Culture. Oh, I'm Cold familiar food. with them. I mean, yeah, I'm familiar with Farmhouse Culture. Yeah, yeah, they, great stuff. They make a product called Gut Shot fermented divetti oh, drink, ginger beet. It's absolutely delicious. I drink like six to seven a day. It's delicious. There are several of them out there, but I've had that one. Now that I know where it came, I've had that gut it's, shot. Those are excellent. They're great. Yep. Yep. Uh, second quick story. So I joined a fermenting group, and the last group was for my information purpose only. Of course, I've done lots of ferments at home. This one was kimchi and sauerkraut specifically. And uh, met the group, all kind of an older generation. I definitely was the youngest one at 36. <laughs> in the group. Yeah. And, uh, and that's okay. It was it was a lot of fun. It's a different type of dry humor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we we made this giant community batch of kimchi with rhubarb root and radish awesome. leaf and yeah. anything and everything we threw in. We were told not to wash our hands because it's the <laughs> best that needs to be in there, you know. And it was great. And this guy's just eating cabbage, talking about it. He hasn't gone grocery shopping in two years. Real nice fella. I love that. We connected, and I got your recipe from you through the app, and I forwarded it to everybody. And they all got together and said, hey, what, would we be interested in getting together and making this all together again? And the guy's like, sure, if you want to get together. I said, let's go. Come on over to my place. So we've got, uh, we've got scheduled plans to get together all on our own, which originally was a paid class, and nobody knew a soul. And now we're all getting together again to make fermented salsa. How so cool. Uh, <laughs> How cool. Yeah. Oh, so you're going to do my salsa yeah, recipe. Really, uh, yes. Excellent. Yeah. You, you gave it to me through the app. And uh, uh, the, the, the guy that did the, the class, he's like, we got to do this in large amounts all together in order for it to come out right. As a joke, you know, we <laughs> gathering people together in one spot is always a good thing. And somebody's going to bring some com- uh, com- kombucha awesome. for us to drink I while we're this. making our, our uh, so, salsa and somebody's bringing tomatoes. So did yeah. you, did you hear the uh, cherry tomato recipe I talked about the other day? No, I'm like a dozen episodes behind. Got it. So let me, if, nope. if you get a chance, I would make an, at least enough of this so everybody gets a sample and it's not hard because, so it's a fermented cherry tomato recipe. So I kept seeing all these people online talking about fermenting cherry tomatoes. And it's I would have never thought of that. I don't know why. I would have never thought about cherry tomatoes. But I started seeing it. People are raving about it. They're like, these things are just amazing. And I'm looking. There's nothing in these recipes except cherry tomatoes and brine. And people love them. And I thought, well, that's so good. What if we were to add some garlic and fresh basil? To this, that to that ferment, oh. people yeah, go nuts over this. That it, the, the the taste of these tomatoes is incredible, and there's it, it's one of the easiest ferments I've ever made. So you make your brine. So do you, do you add brine? What's that? 
you still have to add brine? You, you, here, you here's what I do. Like I, I, I put the garlic and the um, basil leaves, garlic and fresh basil leaves, and I slice the garlic. I, I slice it really thin. Um, put the garlic and the okay. fresh basil in the bottom. Um, fill the rest of the jar up with your cherry tomatoes and then pour in your brine. Yeah, so you're still using a brine. Whole cherry tomatoes? Whole cherry tomatoes. Now, you want to find, I, I, oh, technically, yes. technically, the plant I grew and did this with, they would be referred to as grape tomatoes. They're actually even smaller than a okay. cherry tomato. Yeah. yeah, so you do want to find a smaller size because you want to be able to just pop these whole into your mouth. Sure. Oh, my gosh. Yes. They we are incredible. So if you have some of those ready and people <laughs> sample it when they come in, you, you, you'll be amazed. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. Awesome group. I, I, that's amazing you found that. I love that. Let's go to Minnesota. Tony, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, um, I heard something yesterday on the radio about uh, Canada lifting the vaccine mandate to come into Canada. You don't have to be vaccinated anymore. Did you I, hear that? I did hear something about that. What um, What about coming back the other way? Uh, well, the, the guy I heard talking about, it was only, I only caught like about a minute of it, but he said that Canada was going to lift the uh, vaccine mandate to cross the border. That was right. And I heard that too. And I, it, so. I, I hope they do, but, and I don't even know anymore. Yeah. It's so hard to keep up with this, but if the U S still has a mandate to come into the U S uh, what's going to happen to me if I'm a U.S. citizen, Canada lets me in, but I can't get back home. <laughs> I, I don't know if that, yeah, I don't know, but, and, and that sounds ridiculous, but yeah. everything about this has been ridiculous. That's true. But then, like you said, on Sunday night, Biden said the pandemic's over. So, you know, you know, when to me, when the commander in chief and honestly, he's kind of the guy that created all these mandates. Congress didn't do it. This was all done with executive order and it was done through agencies. It was not done through Congress. Nobody got a chance to vote on this. So if the guy who created all the mandates says the pandemic's over. To me, in my mind, that means the mandates should all go away right now. All of them. I agree. And and you should reinstate the people you kicked out of the military. That's true. They should reinstate everyone who got fired over it. Yeah, well, we can't, we can't force private companies to do that. I, um, I, I do believe that private companies have their own rights. If they wanted to create a mandate and fire people, eh, that's their choice. But the federal government, that's us. We are the government. And in my opinion, the federal government should reinstate everybody that they fired over a vaccine. Yeah, well, well I, I was thinking more of the medical community, too. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if that was the worst, the the medical community yeah. losing their careers over this was the absolute worst. But again, most of those are private companies, and and you know, I do believe in a private company's right to, within the law, do whatever it wants. And if it wants to have vaccine mandates, it can. 
Um, I wish they did. It, but, you know, and here's why. Here, here's why. In, in a commercial operation, if we're talking about businesses, there's competition. So I still have an option. There's a hospital out there somewhere, unless it's a a law again, but if it's a private company deciding, well, I can go find some other private company to either work for or do business with. I have lots of options. When it comes to the government, I don't have any. I don't have any options. I have to deal with the government and our laws. So that's why I look at those two totally different businesses. Do whatever the hell you want, because if you do enough things that I don't like, I'm taking my business somewhere else. In, in business, I can vote with my dollars, and it's powerful. In the government, I don't have that option. Yeah, that's true. But I'm with you. The, well, the, the big guy said the, the, vac, the, the uh, pandemic's over. Well, if it's over, then all of these things should disappear. Yep. Hopefully we'll... But then it takes them... I don't know, 10, 20 years to, <laughs> yeah. or, or over 100 years to go back and try to uh, take something off the books. Like you said earlier about the laws that are 100 years old that they haven't taken off. I know. So these mandates, you know, probably take them a decade or two to It, it seems back. like it. And, and again, the only reason the federal government had the power to do what they did was because of the emergency authorization. Once the pandemic was considered an emergency, the government has free reign to do all kinds of crap we don't like. I mean, we're we're fortunate it never got down to some sort of a martial law situation, but it could have. Yep. All right. That's about all I got today. All right. That's all I need, Tony. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Nebraska. Vic, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, what's happening? What's on your mind today? I have... <laughs> I had a situation, and I know, you know, this ain't your strong point about, you know, commercial enforcement stuff, but I was in Ohio. We went to a, uh, a little little pick, a little shipper, you know, in the back roads of the farm areas and everything. And after I picked up, I started heading in the direction that we were going to go. I knew I only had like 16,000 pounds or 12,000. I couldn't really make up. They didn't even have it. I had to made my own bill of lading. <laughs> but the, I run into this road. Yeah, it, it, I run into this road. It says road closed. I'm going, well, I'm at the fork in the road. I'm going, road closed? What the hell? You know, what, what am I supposed to do? And yeah. So we look up the map, you know, and we look it all up and we well, we can go this way over here, and then we hit that thing right around the road closer. Lo and behold, as I make that right, uh, come up on a bridge says uh, tractor or tractor trailer twenty tons. You know, okay. So it was only about as the length of the bridge was only about the length of my tractor. Right. So this isn't done. This this doesn't play a role for right now. So I make that left and I go up to the end of the road. I make my right and I look behind me and Dr. Seuss is back there, oh, over boy. there with the lights on and everything. Enforcement. And I'm going, huh? So he pulls me over on a little farm road and decides he's going to conduct a mobile scale. 
I'm got trucks whizzing by me. As wait, wait a minute. By, wait, 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 wait. Ohio, by the way. Did I say that? Oh, yeah, it is Ohio. And I grew up there and started my trucking career there. So, in fact, I've got a story we'll talk about in a second. But, but come on, any reasonable law enforcement would look at that bill of lading. And why would they bother weighing you? And I told him what I had, and um, the, the reason for his weighing after three and a half hours later of three different movements, mucky muck, and then he put me right on a road that says right there on the road, I'm not allowed to be out. <laughs> that is the road that he decided that they have a, um, a, a, a balanced road where he can get his scales straight. I don't say nothing when in Rome, just shut your mouth and I let know. everything go, you know, just let it No, that's a good choice. But three and a half hours, yeah, three and a half hours later, I find out why he thinks he's got to weigh me. It's because of that 20-ton bridge. Oh, okay. And that 20-ton okay. bridge. <clears throat> now, that, make, that uh, actually does I make sense. To, uh, yeah. Well, and it's going to determine how much of a fine he's going to give me. <laughs> right. And I know this is what's coming... Three and a half hours later, this guy ain't doing this for his health. You know, three and a half hours later, he thinks he's got a, you know, he's got a, a, a hook on the line and and he's not going to have to do anything for the rest of the month. So I tell him um, what I think I weigh and everything else. And, you know, so am I getting it? Am I getting a fine? He goes, yeah, but it's not going to count on your record, your points or anything else. It'll just be a fine. I just got to determine how big of a fine it's going to be. And I said, well, can I ask you a question? I said, Where, what, what, what was I supposed to do at that point when you got the road closure up? Right. He goes, yeah, that's up sometimes. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> I go, well, he didn't better chase for himself with it right there. But uh, so he says, uh, well, I'll tell you what. Let me get done doing what I'm going to do, and then I'll explain everything. Well, three and a half hours later, Kevin, I, I don't want no explanation. I don't want to hear about the pregnancy. Just show me the baby and let me go on about my... There you go. And now you're going to have to stop traffic both ways and make sure I don't get hit on the way out. Because now i got to back across a little farm road. And um, lo and behold, he says, well, you should have called. Well, three and a half hours later, what do you think we're doing? Uh, Sarah's in the back. Making phone calls. Of course, right. Who the hell do you call? Right. Give me a break. Make a phone call. So we finally get a hold of Go Get or Go Get or... Joel said go to ogo.com. Ogo.com. For construction. So we go there and the lady says, yeah, we don't have construction going on over there. And I'm going... But the road's closed. Ma'am, I'm looking at... I'm looking at the machines right now. You guys are repaving, and you got road closure up here, and well, I don't know what to tell you. Any surprise that the government there. system didn't work? <laughs> well, here's my here's where I roundabout told you this story because it sounded like you were going to jump off the air. I figured I'd get my I get my oxygen out of my lungs right now and dump them on you. There you so, go. <laughs> you being from Ohio. Uh, my other buddy who had told me from all, well, you know, Vicky just got caught up in a money grab. It's, it's that, that's what season. it sounds like. Yeah. These guys. Run, yeah. These guys run the scales. That's why you got the guy out here with 
just so happens to have portable scales, just so happens to have recalibrated and everything, just so happened to be recalibrated. Yeah. And he tells so, me, yeah, that, that time's up sometimes. To the okay. Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I was just going to point out um, how unlucky you are with the odds of this. So you said you were in a farming part of Ohio, which could be all over. What part? Bowling Green is the court, where the court is. Bowling Green is where the court is, is where they told me to go. I can go and fight it. Got but it, he okay. wanted to so, explain to me again. You're a, a little farther south than the area that I used to run in. But my first two years of driving, I did local P&D work in Amish country in Ohio. Um, Worcester, um, Kidron, all, all, through, all across 30 there. That whole area, that was my area. I spent the whole day in that area. I would venture to say that in the two years I was running that area, I probably crossed bridges that I was overweight on, I'll bet, 30 times in two years. Never once had a problem. I went across some crazy bridges with, like, really, really low weight limits. It just happens all the time out there. I mean, you're, you're out trying to find a delivery, and you're on this little two-lane, and there's some little tiny manufacturing plant out there somewhere. I've crossed those kind of bridges in that area so many times, not even funny, never once. Um, ever had a problem with it. You do it once and got caught, and it does sound like that was a setup. Yeah, and, and when I asked him about it again, I said, you know, for the last, you, you got me here a little over three hours, sir, and he goes, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get you going, and then you get going, and I said, no, 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 you're not trying to get me going. What you're trying to do is see the maximum you can penalize me and find me Wait, you know, by telling me, don't, don't worry about it. Here's what law, you know, the problem with law enforcement for us, it is, it's, it, it's now revenue generating. That, that's the point of law enforcement in many places now is it's revenue generating. The idea behind law enforcement, any kind of law enforcement, traffic or whatever, is safety. They're supposed to be there to keep us safe. Not to fine us to generate money, not to look to punish us. And I realize you have to have punishments to get people to do the right thing. But in this case, the right thing to do for him would have been a, to help you get out of there safely, not fine you because you did the best you could after they closed a road, nobody would answer their phones. They should have been doing everything they could to get you out of there safely. And, you know, on top of that is I did the old, you know, nodding dog on him just to see if I can get him to agree with me. And I said, you know, I realize this is harvest season and, you know, you guys, you got the guys running around the scales and you can't always catch them. But, oh boy, you get that guy who's not from out of the town, you, you're going to sock it to him, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm nodding yeah. my head. So he's nodding. <laughs> so then I get to that point where, the nodding, we call that the nodding dog. That's, That's right. So I get that. Said, now you made a comment to me, right? You said sometimes, and I'm, I start nodding my head again. Sometimes the road closures are up and sometimes they aren't. Wouldn't you agree with me, officer, that when you got a truck and you're the only guy out here, you probably pull those road closures down, right? And I got the nod and, and he's, well, well, no, 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 that's yeah. not. But <laughs> right. he agreed with me. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
confused. Now, he wanted to explain again the process of what he's doing. And now I, he done told me what, how it lined up and everything. And I'm sitting there. I don't want to hear about this. I, so I said, sir, no pregnancy. Show me the baby. No disrespect. You know, here, you just a little irritated. Here's something else I know about this story. Fourteen hundred is that right? Yeah, this is a money grab. That's all that is. So here's something else I know about the story. Okay. Had had this been somebody I didn't know, don't know what their truck looks like, don't know what their attitude is like, I would say, well, maybe it's just possible you were a total asshole when he contacted you the first time. And we know that things can go downhill really quickly in situations like this. But I know you. The truck's spotless. The trailer's spotless. There isn't a bunch of shit piled up on the dash. You know, McDonald's wrappers aren't falling out the door when you open the door to talk to the officer. And I also know that I, I hear what you're saying, and I know that's what you're saying. You are saying, sir, you are being polite. And so this should have never gone on this long. This started like that, Kevin, from the get-go. Officer, I know when in Rome, whatever it is, but right. no due yep. disrespect, but what would you expect an, a, a driver to do when you're on farm roads, they're skinny, they're, one truck can only go down one side of them. I know I don't belong on those, but the only roads I could go on has a road closure. What would, and he, and you know, under his breath, he's going, um, you had to read his lips. He's going, just call. Just call. Give me a break. Well, we you know, know what, happened. then? You know what? So, if that's their answer, then put a big sign on the road closed. Call this number and we'll help you. If that's his answer, you exactly. should have called. Who the hell am I supposed to call? Put a sign well, there, it, then. It gets a little funnier. It gets a little funnier, and here's where my curiosity gets to. Um, as he's doing this and he wants to show me and I'm, I'm still being polite and he's being now he's over polite. He's like, <laughs> right. He's like doing everything to be my friend now. Cause I've oh, killed him with kindness. And, and I said, sir, I said, that's okay. I said, you know what? I could pay you right here, right, right here to Johnny on the spot. I have enough money in the cash on the deal. Um, it's not a money thing. This is now a issue with, a money grab. And we both know, I get that dog nod in the head going, right? We both know this is a money grab because <laughs> if it wasn't a money grab, there's somebody would have just answered the phone. You, you probably thought that you caught somebody running the scales and I'm going to be way overweight. And you're finding out that I was pretty pr- close in what I told you, um, did everything right. And you're telling me right now, with his courtesy and everything I've done, I've been, you're still going to give me a fine, right? Yep. Well, you go fight it. And I said, how do I pay it? Forget <laughs> about fighting. Exactly. How do I think? Well, we get the ticket and, and, and the fine, and it says, you got to appear on this date. Oh. <laughs> So, you know, now we're talking, you know what we do. So it could be big thousands and thousands of revenues, you know, interrupted. So, uh, but long story short, Kevin, 
what I what really wanted to ask you and get your opinion on is I started getting irritated and pissed off and you know when you're when you're at that pissed off irritated mode I don't want to hear about it I can pay for this let's just go give me the damn ticket and let me get on with my life um, do you he told me that there will be no points or anything because he didn't do a level one he didn't do anything he just got those scales out he didn't even ask for my driver's license <laughs> got those scales out and recalculated and all this but if I do go into court and I I tell the George I tell the judge my story and everything and I don't think he's going to be sympathetic but at least I'll get it off my chest and you know being the, the, the gentleman that I am and the salesman uh, trainer of thousands of salesmen I think I can get a judge under my belt really confidently, but they can't now turn into a point ticket, can they? So, if I first off, it? first off, this has been a great conversation. I'm glad you called. It's been interesting stuff. I want to refer you back to your very first sentence of this conversation. Okay. What was it? Oh. <laughs> what was the very first know, se- sentence? This ain't your strong point. That's exactly right. Yep, we could just go back to the first sentence. I have no idea whether this is a point situation, isn't a point. Now, I can give you some advice. What I would do, first off, I would call, as much as I hate to do this, I would call the courthouse first and try to verify is this a point situation or not. You may not get an answer that you're confident of, so then I would call an attorney in Ohio. And I may even find one of these paid attorney lines where you, you pay them 20 bucks and they answer your question for you. Um, I, I would find somebody legally in Ohio that could answer the question for me. Once I determined that, can they put points on me for this or not? If they could, I would have an attorney. I, I wouldn't go into that situation without an attorney. If they can't put points and the only issue is, are you going to be fined and how much and could you possibly negotiate it? Then I just go in myself. Like you said, you can negotiate. That, that's not a problem. But if, if it gets down to the point where you've got a jackass judge and this is just one of those counties that like to stick it to truck drivers, um, I, I would not want to be in there without an attorney, if they could assign points. Yeah, he just, the thing right out, and, and, I, and I told Sarah, so you can blame this one on Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he told me to call you, and I said, that's not his strong point. Why am I going to call him on something that's not his strong point? She goes, for an opinion, I guess, the second second opinion, or I thought about it and I go, yeah, yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, well, he is from Ohio, so yeah, he probably does know about these Harvard situations. Um, he ain't going to know the other stuff, but you know what? Uh, peace of mind sometimes will give you at least a couple more hours of life, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, so I so would approach I it like that. Up. If they can't assign points and I'm safe, yeah, I'll go negotiate the fine myself with the judge. But if there's some chance that I could, this could end up getting worse, yeah, I'm going to have an attorney. And it's possible, and again, I don't know this, but it, it's possible, and I know in, in a lot of cases this is true, you might not have to be there at all. 
If you hire an attorney, they can represent you, and that would be cheaper than you going back to Ohio, probably. Yeah, unfortunately, the Lord above has got me in one, you know, at QC um, Kinetics thing you hear on the radio. Yeah. QC Kinetics. My shoulders, I'm having those worked on. So I'm right around the corner from the damn thing anyway. So. Oh, got it. Okay. Well, then you Two might as well go do it yourself. Yeah. And now, yeah, and it's just the principle of the thing. And also maybe for your listeners, you know, um, my other buddy who lives in Ohio, he says, you got to go on Facebook and you got to tell everybody this and blah, 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 blah. I said, I ain't got to <laughs> tell everybody. So, well, here's the thing. I get on Kevin's he, show. Yeah. It, well, no. If you decide to put this on social media, I have an opinion about that, too. If I were to put something like this on social yeah, media, I would post it and never, ever go back and look at any of the comments. Oh, yeah. That's why I got off of it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I got, yeah. you know, if you're, a, if you're a Trump supporter, not, you know, we didn't have choices. We had Trump or we had Hillary. So if but if you made the choice of Trump, you're on Facebook, boy. My surfer buddies and all my buddies back in home in Southern California, they, you know, half of them are, uh, they, they, they just do, not, they do what you did. You did not, the voting takes six to eight hours and your vote doesn't count in LA because it's electoral. So nobody, all of us, we never even paid attention to this stuff. Right. But boy, I'll tell you what, you get on Facebook with this stuff. And every piece of shit that likes to hand <laughs> hide behind a computer and yeah, exactly, buddy. Right. I I got yeah. to do it with a couple of people. You know who I am, buddy. You know I will go to Torrance and I will pull you out of your car <laughs> by your hair. You know, one of those scenarios. So, Paris says, "Why do you get so angry?" I go, "What the kind?" I know this kid. I went to high school with him. I'd slap him and knock him down in 10 hey, seconds. Hey, Vic. Just, well, Vic. Just don't pay attention to that. I, I, have a, yeah. I have a better answer for Sarah on this one that she won't be able to argue with you. Okay. <laughs> Blame it on testosterone. <laughs> well, well, the other problem is it's lack of it. When you know when you get a little overweight, you, you tend to lack it, not over it. <laughs> This is all testosterone. That's why we get angry. We're supposed to. We have toxic masculinity. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's. I, I, I'm pretty much, you know, I listened to you on the, the theory in the last couple of years. Well, I listened to a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I can't listen to a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I can't even listen to the people I do know, like um, Carlson and... Waters and Handy, I can't, I can't even listen to Handy anymore, anymore because, hey, did you see this? Can you believe this? And then he shows me something that I didn't want to watch to begin with. And then you're just pissed you, off you the rest of the day. Does that? Yeah, and it's just, uh, I throw on my playlist and I just go to town on it. I'm just singing and bopping down the road. I know. And all, all of a right. sudden, Doc, Dr. Hunt and he pulls my butt over with those flats of reds and screwed my damn song playlist up. There you go. All right, Vic, got to cut you loose. Yep. All right. Cut you loose. I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Let's go to Texas. Rusty, welcome to the program. 
Hey, Kevin, uh, I got, I sent you an oil sample. Let's take a look the, here. In, in, four, in 14, the, the viscosity keeps going up and up and up. Holy cow. 22.9. Mm. Did did you in, did you pour uh, some did miles. you pour some cement powder into your crankcase? Twenty two point nine. I have never seen that in my life. I think that's what you said last time when it was like eighteen or nineteen. I, I would have yeah, said I don't that. Know. I guess yeah. I can't. Uh, I, I would have said that. I don't think I've ever really seen eighteen, but twenty three. But here's the other problem. There's no explanation in here of why. Mhm. Yeah, that's kind of what I was. I mean, we 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 talked we ha, we talked about it quite a bit uh, last month, and the power hour guys they didn't really have an answer, so we just I was gonna dump uh, Get, uh, synthetic in to try to lower it, but I can't find synthetic anywhere, so I wasn't even able to do that. Well, we we don't want to dump anything into this oil. We got to get this oil out. If you didn't do an oil change, yeah. you need to do one now. I would not run this oil. Yeah. I, can't, I don't even know what kinds of problems we could create with oil this thick, but it can't be good. I mean, I, I seriously, your, your number one priority needs to be to get this oil out of this engine. I, I don't even, yeah. I can't even begin. It, my only thought, because I just can't, I can't see anything else in the sample causing this. My only thought, is it possible somebody might want to sabotage your truck? Well, they might want to. I don't know when they would have the opportunity. Okay. I mean, I park at my house every night. Okay. Well, that's kind of what I'm asking. Is that a possibility that something has happened? And my mind might go there because I actually had it happen to me once. Um, I When I took over yeah. the contract in FedEx, um, I took over a whole building. There was one contractor there, and they got rid of him, and I got the contract. Whoa. And obviously, I, and I was never able to prove it was him, but immediately after it happened, um, I started having major fuel issues with my truck and we found rolls of paper towels in the fuel tanks. Uh, it was bad enough that mm -hmm. I actually turned it into insurance and they paid for all of it because it, it wasn't a mechanical breakdown. It was vandalism. So insurance actually covered mm -hmm. it. Uh, so my mind kind of goes there because I can't think of any other way this oil could have gotten this thick. Hmm. Yeah, the soot's not even very high. It didn't look to me like. Oh, no, it's not. I mean, we've seen soot up as high as 8%, and it doesn't cause the oil to get anywhere near this thick. The other thing that can do it is coolant, but you have no coolant whatsoever. Um, this is mm -hmm. a really good-looking oil sample. Um I, I'm not seeing anything in here. Yeah, the iron's getting high, but, you know, based on the number of... Are, are you using the catalyst? No. Oh. oh, so we do have another problem here. I need to hold on a second. So we've got about 44,000 miles on the oil itself. Yeah. Your iron is way too high. But I don't know why. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, well, maybe but, the problem well, here, your oil, is, your oil right? is just so thick that it's no longer protecting the metal. Yeah, that's what's happening. Um, your lead mm -hmm. shot up. 
Um, chromium, it only went up a little bit, but chromium, we don't see much in there, and that can still indicate a problem. Um, chromium is going to be iron, and chromium are both kind of your top end. Um, God, I don't even know what to do with this. Um, I almost want regular. Get, I think I almost want to get the lab involved in this. Like I want to. I, I, I hate to take this on if I can't follow through with it, but I'd almost like to see if I can get somebody to get a hold of the lab. And if we can find out, you know, maybe they know of a condition that would cause this. The problem I'm having right now, I, I know of no condition that would cause this to happen. So I don't know how to address it. I mean, all I would know right now is get the oil out of there uh, and start over. But, well, wait a minute. Okay. Um, this is the first time we've got this high on miles. All the other oil got changed around 25,000 or less. So this problem keeps coming back. After every time you've changed oil, it just keeps coming back. So even, I, I mean, you have to change the oil because we have to get that oil out of there, but I don't think it's going to go away. I am totally mm -hmm. stumped. I, I can't think of an oil sample problem that has stumped me more than this one in 20 years. <laughs> hmm. uh, that's quite a record to have, I guess. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, I'm totally and lost. The fuel, I, and the fuel, you know, the, the overhead has been set by, I think, a really good Cummins guy. Uh, it wasn't long ago. And, it, and I've got my best fuel mileage. I mean, I'm in a tough operation for fuel mileage, and I've got some of the best fuel mileage in the last few well, months you, that I've ever got. He, so. Here's the thing. We could have that overhead so far out of adjustment, it would never cause high viscosity. There's no correlation between the two. So I'm glad that it's set right. But that, that and again, I, I don't know of anything. I, I know of nothing to look at to try to figure out what's causing this. Unless we call the mm. lab and say, have you ever seen this before? And what are the possible causes? Yeah. So I think that's our next step. You may want to try calling them. Um, and you may want to call Pittsburgh Power back. Um, did you get the sample from them? Or did you get it from us? Uh, I think I got it from them. Yeah, I would call them I and... Think I got Talk to Pete and and ask Pete if he will contact uh, the lab for you and and ask him about this. Okay. And I'd love to know. I'll do when that. When you find an answer, please let me know. Yeah. So uh, I guess if I don't find an answer, I'll just back to 20,000-mile oil changes. <sighs> Let me see. When you went to 20-some thousand, you were still up in 17. I'd be doing 15,000-mile oil changes. Okay. And I'd be using really cheap oil. Like, don't spend anything more than you have to. Just make sure it has the right API. But as long as it has the right API, I would just buy the cheapest oil I could get. And I would buy the cheapest oil every time, even if it was different. Like if I got a good deal on Rotella this month, but next month I found a sale on Chevron, then I'd be using whatever I could get cheapest because the oil itself is not going to matter here. 
The oil is not the problem, and we don't know what the problem is. So we're going to change oil a lot, and I, I just want it to be cheap. Okay. I'll call Pete and see what he knows. Yeah, yeah. like I said, and then, then let me know. I'll follow up on this as well with Pete, but uh, I'm really curious about this one. Let's go to Iowa. Doug, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, I just got a little angle for Vic there on his overweight in Ohio. I'm from Ohio, Canal Fulton, Ohio. You're probably familiar with that. The Canal Fulton and was part of my area, yeah. He said, uh, yeah, and he said that was a small bridge, and he was only 12,000 pounds load weight on there, so he was probably less than 50,000 pounds gross. That's kind of what I figured, so yeah. at no one time would that whole rig would be on that bridge. So, and when they platform scale you like that, they do it by each position of the wheel, and they know the axle weight, and the, they know what the tandem weight was on the trailer, and they know the steering weight on the tractor and the drive. So, if the bridge was that short, that it, you know, his tractor would be off of it before his trailer entered it or on it. So, at no one time was he, you know. No, that's a that, that, on that bridge. That's an interesting approach, and some of the bridges in that area are actually shorter than the whole unit itself. I've been across a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a thought. Yeah, we yeah, used to go so. into a place, and yeah, that was just an angle for yeah. him, maybe to run with the lawyer. Yeah, you can't know? hurt. And uh, yeah, we used to have to go into a customer. Oh, we were close to eighty, and. It was a 10,000-pound bridge, and that was actually, that was the customer's excuse to us was, well, it's a small bridge, you're not, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I've been across yeah. some of those, you know, 10,000-pound bridges, and you, you realize, hell, I, could, I, I, I shouldn't even bobtail across this thing. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, they're all over Ohio like that, but oh, yeah, yeah. I used to haul yeah. heavy, you know, and would my worst was I caught on a 65,000-pound road there in West Virginia at 98,000. <laughs> yeah, that's a little over. Yeah, they impounded the truck on that one and wouldn't let us go till we paid it. But it still was a $12,000 ticket. But they didn't make you get to the truck legal. They let me go with the full load. I could leave the state and not be fined for it again that day. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I know. It's a money grab. That's all that yeah. is. It's just revenue generation. Mm -hmm. It's not about safety or it, it's Get just, it. it's just revenue generation. It's a money grab is, is all that is. You know, I, I remember, and I don't know why yeah, this just, just popped into my head, um, but I remember, and this was really, really early in my trucking career, like first or second year. Um, and I ran out of Richfield, Ohio. You're familiar with that, I'm sure. Um, and mm -hmm. I remember yeah. I, I had, it was actually in the newspaper, like the uh, the Plain Dealer, maybe, or the Akron Beacon Journal. I forget which paper it was in, but I had kept it for a long time, and then I lost it. I wish I still had it. And it was a story about the highest overweight fine ever issued in the state of Ohio. And the way they caught the guy was the, it was so heavy. And they were running back roads, obviously. Uh, it was so heavy, they had a pusher right. truck. They had a truck that, when it got to the hills, had to get behind it, and they had it yep. set up with yep. cushions, and they had a second truck in the back pushing. Um, the, the 
the the overall load was six hundred thousand pounds. Oh, yeah, that's ridiculous! No, no there, permits, you're just asking no for permits or nothing. They nothing. Tr- they yeah, tried to get away get with them. this. Oh yeah, right. They tried to get yeah. away with this. Yeah, I wish I would have kept that. I lost it somewhere. Wonder if I could go back and find that. Yeah, that's. Uh... No, I just thought that might be an angle for Vic there. You know, yeah, sound not... like uh, he'd like to fight it if he had a chance to. Yeah, Beat and, that guy in court. I'd like to see that. But. Yeah, and if you're going to fight it, you might as well have as many of these ideas as you can get. Yeah, yeah, Don. We appreciate, you know, I'm profit gauges and fuel gauges and profit gauges. So well, thank we you. really appreciate what you got going on there for us. And Excellent. Well, yeah, good. thanks. Everything for- you do pretty much works well for what I've found. Good. Well, thanks for the advice, and I think we've got uh, some more advice for Vic, and then we'll probably wrap this up for the day and start getting set up for um, Rolling Toe coming up here in about 20 minutes. Uh, Chris in Iowa, welcome. Yes, Kevin. Another thing that I've found in my time of trucking is actually it's a little different than an overweight ticket, but I... uh, I accidentally ran one of them uh, red light cameras down there in Hannibal, Missouri. Um, I couldn't stop. I was too far committed before the light turned red. Um, And I called the prosecutor and talked to them, and they uh, actually lowered it to a parking ticket instead of a red light violation. So then I just paid the parking ticket, which obviously doesn't go on your record, and I was able to pay the fine and... That's it. You know, this seems to be just the normal way business works in the court system. We have laws, but honestly, they don't really seem to matter. Um, You know, you broke this law, but we'll say you broke this law and said, that's why this is all just a money grab. Has nothing to do with anything other than money. Yeah, that's all they want. And they did say that they couldn't charge me with a normal parking ticket because it wouldn't bring them enough money. They said they had to charge me for parking longer than six hours. <laughs> so actually I paid like 25 or $50 more than the red light ticket would have been. But that, they were happy so, with that because they were getting even more money, but it kept yeah, points off my license. Yeah, so at this point, why, why don't we just say, look, you don't even have to tell me what you're charging me for. It's all bullshit anyway. Just tell me how much I owe you and let me get the hell out of here. Pretty much. Just figured I'd throw that out there. Maybe that's something that he could also do while he's calling the courts and everything. He might be able to call the prosecutor. And that's a good point. Try and make some kind of yep. deal. Uh, yeah, you may be able to, to get this handled with uh, a lot less hassle and maybe even a little less cost, but it is the money thereafter. So, all right, we are going to wrap this up. Uh, coming up in just about 20 minutes, it will be rolling toe. Kevin is on his own today, so uh, help him out. Call him up. Ask him what he had for lunch. Ask him what he's going to have for dinner. I don't know. Ask him how he slept last night. But it'd be even better if you had some tire-related questions to ask him. Uh, So that will be 20 minutes from right now. Uh, 10 o'clock Pacific time. Don't go away. 
We'll see you then. We will also see you back here tomorrow for trucking technology and efficiency. It looks like it's John and I tomorrow, so that'll be fun. We'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.